Good evening. This uh, episode is about arguably the most important political issue right now on the international scene. And that is the prospect of a confrontation between Russia and the West on the Russian-Ukrainian borders. The story began when the US uh, said towards the end of 2021 that its satellites and various other forms of observations have basically indicated massive Russian fortification, military moves, some of them very unusual, that indicate in the American assessment that Russia will or might likely invade Ukraine. America informed its allies in the West. We had very strong stances from Britain. We had also quite a strong uh, rhetoric from France. Germany halted Nord Stream 2, the pipeline, arguably the most important pipeline project, bringing Russian gas to Germany. And the whole situation became incredibly tense. There was a virtual summit between US President Joe Biden and Russian President Vladimir Putin. And now, in January 2022, a number of meetings between European and Western leaders in general on one side and the Russian president on the other side. All of that to avert the potential confrontation on the Russian-Ukrainian border. There are many angles to look at this topic, and it is a very important and indeed rich topic. However, I think two angles are particularly important, and these are the American calculus and the Russian calculus. In or on the American side, there is a basic question. That is, is America ready to engage Russia in a confrontation because of the potentiality of a confrontation, of an invasion, of a war between Russia and Ukraine? Some people will just say no. Ukraine and the area that is the border between Russia and Ukraine is not strategic enough for the US to engage in a confrontation with Russia because of that. Especially that America has just gotten out of the 20-year war in Afghanistan, of the 20-year war in Iraq, and therefore basta, as the Italians say. America does not want to get into a confrontation. Sorry for that. Um, however, some people will say, well, maybe yes, maybe America can get into a confrontation for that, but not a direct one, an indirect one, as in arming Ukraine indirectly, as in utilizing different forms of indirect tools and methods to be of support to Ukraine in such a potential war, fight, blah, blah, blah. However, there is another angle 
to the American calculus. And that angle is actually yes. The U.S. has a very important strategic objective in that dossier, in the Russian-Ukrainian dossier. And that objective is actually NATO. NATO, of course, is arguably the most successful, certainly the largest military alliance in the world in the last 50 years or more, 60 years. And NATO is the most important tool the U.S. uses to deploy its military power when it is not using its own armed forces. Now, NATO, for at least 20-25 years now, has been expanding eastwards. As in, initially, of course, it was primarily in Western Europe. After the end of the Cold War and the collapse of the Soviet Union, NATO started to expand to Central Europe and then increasingly to Eastern Europe. And this is the angle I'm referring to. The more NATO expands eastwards, not necessarily to encompass Ukraine, but in that direction, towards the Russian borders, the more there is a strategic leverage, advantage, for America and for the West as a whole. Now, that is exactly the point that I think could be the key to understand the Russian calculus in the same dossier. Some people will say, well, the important way to understand how Russia sees this whole potential confrontation with Ukraine and the whole area, basically, is history, and especially modern history, the 20th century. From this historical angle, Ukraine, under the Soviet Union, was basically part of the Soviet Union, was uh, more or less under Russian influence, if we argue that Russia played a tremendously important role within the Soviet Union. And therefore, if we run with that angle, with that way of thinking, then in the modern history, Russia saw Ukraine more or less under its influence during the Soviet Union, Russia sees itself as the heir of the Soviet Union, and therefore it sees a historical premise to resuscitate that influence. Some people say, actually, the real angle to look at, to understand the Russian thinking, is cultural. In this view, in the Russian narrative, the origin of the two nations, Ukraine and Russia, is what usually historians refer to as Kiev Rus. Kiev refers to quite a, a certain land mass, obviously in today's Ukraine, it's the name of the Ukrainian capital, Kiev, and Rus refers to Russia. And from this angle, again, there is a cultural unification, at least a a very, very uh, similar origin from which both the modern states of Russia and Ukraine originated from, emerged from. Now, at least that's uh, a very strong narrative in the Russian psyche. Some people say, all right, fine, but really the very simple way of understanding the Russian perspective in this whole dossier 
is neither history nor cultural, it is domestic politics. And the argument goes that there are economic problems in, in, in Russia and that the Russian political structure, like any political structure in the world, always sees value in an external crisis, external problem, because that raises the nationalist sentiments and therefore it helps the regime uh, to rally people around the flag, if you'd like, which again helps if there are domestic problems. It's some sort of diverting attention from the existing problems. All of that might be true, might be not true. It depends on how one looks at the Russian position. But I think the most important variable from which to understand the Russian calculus is that strategic element I referred to, and that is the expansion of NATO. From Russia's point of view, especially the current political structure in Russia, the expansion of NATO is, one, a potential threat to Russia. Two, and that's maybe more realistic in the short term, it is curtailing, at least containing, the Russian expansion, the Russian sphere of influence. And in addition to that, there is a conviction within certain circles in Russia that the West, primarily the United States, gave Mikhail Gorbachev, the last president of the Soviet Union, guarantees that NATO will not expand eastwards, will not expand closer and closer to Russia after the ending of the Soviet Union. Now, this issue is very debatable because you find people who are experts on that topic who say, yes, absolutely, that happened. And you find people who are experts on that topic who say, no, absolutely, it did not happen. But that's not the issue. The issue is that there is a conviction within very influential circles in Russia that this did happen. Now, if you combine these variables together that many people in Russia, especially in the political structure, see the expansion of NATO as a threat and two, as a curtailment, as a containment of Russia's sphere of influence in the way Russia sees that sphere of influence. And that in the Russian view, there was a guarantee that NATO will not expand, then here is the core of the problem. Here is the key to understand the Russian calculus in that dossier. And I think the real topic of discussion in the meetings that will take place, whether between Russia and the United States or Russia and some European uh, politicians, will really revolve around NATO. So the issue will transcend the Russian-Ukraine borders and it will zero in on or will focus upon the future of NATO in Europe, particularly in this area that is Eastern Europe and that are closer and closer to the Russian border.